the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. Good afternoon, Northern California. Welcome. Just about five minutes after the hour of 5 p.m. as we welcome you to another edition of Lifeline. Keeping you company Monday through Friday at this time, as we typically do, addressing issues that impact your life, your world, and your Christian walk. All right, coming up on this edition of Lifeline, we're going to spend a few minutes talking with financial retirement planning expert Pat Fitucci. Take a look at what's going on in the markets. Tremendous amount of volatility, really, since the peak in January of this year. And with all of that, folks are a little bit nervous as to what it all means. And then add to that the complexities of some of the geopolitical things going on around us. And, um, you know, is it any wonder some folks want to run for the hills and other people think it's a great time to buy stocks? Let's get a look at what's going on. Well, Pat, of course, big news as we continue to follow on Wall Street, everything from the testimony of Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook on Capitol Hill, concerns over data breaches, controlling privacy, and I suppose one of the big stories that has been in the news for many weeks now has been the volatility on Wall Street. Domestic stocks seem to really be taking a battling, a beating here, much of it tied into the war of words over trade deficits. Yeah, it's certainly uh, a top story on the 6 o'clock news, and guess what? It should be. It is a huge issue. This is a controversial topic, but it's my view that this is an issue that we have tolerated entirely too long. Both Democrat and Republican have kind of looked the other way while the Rust Belt and good-paying jobs have been lost through NAFTA Pan-American agreement, this simple deficit we've been tolerating for many years and not creating and losing good-paying jobs. And so this president, love him or hate him, and we're not crazy about his tweeting skills, but he has had the courage to say, wait a minute, this ain't fair. Doesn't seem right that we charge China 2% to bring their goods into our country and they charge us 25%. What's wrong with this picture? And so now we're having this saber-rattling threats and a lot of nasty words being exchanged. But guess what? We're seeing some signs that China wants to acquiesce and not lose the biggest consumer on the planet. I'm not bragging about it, but it's the, the reality of it is America buys a lot of stuff around the planet, and China is one of our big suppliers, and China needs us as much as we need them. We've seen the markets react negatively. When you take the medicine, that doesn't taste good. But in the long run, the health returns. That analogy is hopefully going to hold true when the war word stops and we come to some settlement, some negotiated agreement. And there are some signs that's beginning to happen. Look at what he's done with North Korea. He's called it Rocket Man. He's threatened to knock him back into the last century. And now he's bringing... Kim Jong-un to the table to negotiate. Is it real? Is it posturing? 
Who knows? All we know is it looks like the sanctions are working. He literally had ships at sea seeing Russia transfer goods from a Russian ship to a North Korean ship. I mean, he has gone to that level of detail, unlike others in the past. And so it's really crippled their economy. And so the sanctions, when very effectively follow through, work. And so now we've got this meeting tentatively set up sometime in May or June. We're not impressed with this president's presidential prowess and ability to have thick skin and responds to all the silly minutiae stuff that happens to presidents and critiques that presidents are always subject to. Craig, it's kind of the analogy. I love the taste of sausage, but you never want to go to a sausage factory and see how that stuff is made. It's not pretty. This is kind of the analogy I want to draw here. I think he's creating an economy that the ingredients are sometimes difficult to swallow, but the end product, it's looking better and better every day. We have corporations bringing manufacturing, auto manufacturing, back to USA Apple's building a plant in Wisconsin. I mean, when have you heard these kinds of tales, Craig? It's been decades. It's always been the other way around. The whole city of Detroit has been decimated. And so we're seeing some resurgence in that. These are all small little signs. But subtle little signs of the patterns of behavior coming back the other way is certainly uh, refreshing. He doesn't care what the opinions of CNN or any other media thinks. And ironically, as much as some might suggest that Wall Street was influential in putting him into office, he doesn't seem to be too concerned about their opinions either. I mean, let's note the fact that 2017, as we both know, domestic markets experienced really overall very little volatility and significant gains. Q1 of 2018, though, has been an entirely different story. And, Pat, we were down, I think, since the high of January the 28th of this year. We've been down at points as much as 2,500 points, which has got to make short-term investors very nervous. Wait 10 minutes, that will come back. You know, we're, we've seen in any given day the Dow Jones up you know, 700 points in the morning and down 300 points in the afternoon. So these 1,000-point swings are kind of what we've seen. And it's reflective of the rhetoric that goes back and forth between Korea. Now we've got Syria on as a hot spot now and with the chemical poisoning. Is it real? Is it fake? You know, that's what they're trying to figure out. But there's been a, a lot of volatile news that will spark Wall Street in a nanosecond to go up or down based on Wall Street's opinion, the investor's opinion is of, of that news and what are the financial implications of that pattern of behavior. And so you're right. We've had these nosebleed days, nosebleed weeks. So far, year to date, the markets are pretty flat uh, after having a superlative 2017. I think it's the beginning of continued anxiety, continued angst, general market conditions, are wonderful. We're going to get some good profit uh, reports from corporate America in, in the ensuing weeks. I think the stage is set to have a fairly strong year if we can get these geopolitical events turned down to some levels of excitement that doesn't influence Wall Street. And given to the hyper emotions that oftentimes Wall Street turns on, is that really necessarily a good barometer to gauge the health of the economy? You know, it's always a confluence of events, a confluence of rhetoric that influences the Dow Jones, the Nasdaq, the S&P. It's, it's a whole disparate collection of views that, you know, you may 
want to buy IBM and I may want to sell IBM and we support our argument accordingly, you know, multiply that times millions and that's that you get that sentiment that's either the positive psychology of the market or the negative psychology. You're an optimist, I'm a pessimist or vice versa. And it's that combination of emotions and drive that historically is the totality of the Dow Jones industrial average. And that's the environment in which we in which we live. And, and that's a good testimony to why the system has worked so effectively, because it is this whole disparate collection of, of views. And uh, you're buying and I'm selling. And that's what makes the, the trade volume as uh, vital and, and has the vitality of the spirit of capitalism. That's the basic tenet, right? That's the beauty of capitalism. It allows you and I to have our own view and have the freedom to choose. Therein lies this wonderful system that we've enjoyed for a couple hundred years that uh, has prospered more than any other economy on the planet for a couple hundred years, Greg. That's, that's a good testimony, isn't it? Indeed so. Pat Fatucci on the Wall Street conditions and your money. Don't invest and forget.com. That's don't invest and forget.com. We take a brief time out. When we come back, a look at Mark Zuckerberg, Facebook, the issue over privacy, and his testimony on Capitol Hill. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, welcome back to this edition of Don't Invest and Forget. More information, by the way, on the web, and you can also easily schedule an appointment for a complimentary financial health and retirement plan review in any of the Bay Area offices of Fitucci and Associates by simply going to don'tinvestandforget.com. That's don'tinvestandforget.com. Pat, in addition to talk over Wall Street, there's been a lot of talk this week, certainly over the two days of testimony of Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook before Capitol Hill. He got grilled pretty significantly by a number of members of the United States Senate over everything from privacy concerns to data harvesting to the sale of private personal information gleaned off of Facebook. What did you make overall of his testimony? And do you think there's going to be any significant impact in the way data is handled? Well, I think he was pretty effective at wordsmithing around the real core issues. And look, let's face it, they are making billions of dollars by selling your and my habits of behavior to people who want to market to us. And I don't care how you spin it, how wonderful you are going to wordsmith it. The reality of it is their patterns that they are paid for and that they are paid for by vent, by marketing and vendors. When I walk into Nordstrom and all of a sudden my phone beeps that Nordstrom has a sale on men's shirts, that's a little spooky. Or I'm walking past Bunt Cakes, my phone goes off and says, oh, there's a sale on um, chocolate Bunt Cakes. It's all based on what I've expressed on emails or texts. This issue came up only because... There was some allegations of this company analytics having some influence over the election and designed to get you to vote one way or the other. And so it was a masterful dance. You know, he certainly showed his youth and he looked a little stiff. But to his credit, he's created a a monster sized company with 120,000 employees and billions of dollars of revenue. I think Congress is going to have to be backed into some some legislation that puts some rules on who owns my behavior and my patterns. And, and is it a privacy issue that they found out that I like 
bunt cakes or I like buying shirts at Macy's or whatever my patterns are, is that personal? He was asked, if I asked you what hotel you stayed at last night, would you tell me? And Mark Zuckerberg says, no, I wouldn't. And so it it was kind of uh, an example of, wait a minute, you want to know what I'm doing and where I've been and what kind of food I eat and what hotels I stay in, but you don't want to tell me publicly what hotel you stayed at last night. So it was kind of a tongue-in-cheek example of of what his company's doing, kind of a stalking. They're, They're stalking you and I, Craig, about what we're doing and how we're doing it trying to make a buck off it. This is a whole new dynamic of our society that if some of those senators and Congress folks understand the issue, and I'm circumspect if they do, some of them certainly do, but some of them you can tell they're reading questions that their staff prepared. They really don't have a clue what was going on. I think as a result of those uh, Mark Zuckerberg hearings, I would think there's going to be some privacy boundaries they're going to have to draw up or else we're going to continue to see not only campaigns being influenced, but a whole collection of other parts of our lives being scoured and being attempted to be influenced. Let's pivot back to a topic that we began with today, Pat. We were talking about markets over the first quarter of this year, a lot of the volatility that we've seen in relationship to trade wars, or at least the war of words. But some of it seems to be getting through. Word this morning that China is looking at lifting restrictions on foreign lenders. Certainly that could pose as much as a big opportunity as a potential big risk for U.S. bankers. Look, we got to give President Trump credit for opening up and knocking down some of these barriers that heretofore China's a, a tough negotiating country, and we have given in to their pressure, and this president is a business person. He negotiates deals. He wrote a book, Art of the Deal, what, back in the 80s. So this country needs those kinds of skills right now at this point in time to get our economy back on track and get our trading partners to understand, you know, we want a fair deal. And I think we've tolerated that imbalance way too long. And look at look at our deficit. It's, what, $21 trillion, Craig? That's a result of many decades of rolling over and playing dead and not having the courage and the gumption to say, no, we're not going to tolerate this BS anymore. I give this president credit for taking a tough stance, and I think, I think we're going to end up as a stronger country and a better trading partner, and I think the rules will be a little bit more fair. Ultimately, then, the question comes down to what does this mean specifically for you as an investor? And, Pat, if you would speak to that, because clearly there's multiple layers here. Depending upon one's timeline toward retirement, if you're retiring next week, the recent volatility should be of great concern. However, if retirement is 10, 20 years away, you don't have a lot to be really overly concerned about. Help people understand the difference between the two and what kind of proactive approach should they be taking when it comes to managing their retirement dollars. Well, imagine retiring in the next couple of months after just experiencing the kind of volatility we've had. It, it's pretty darn nerve-wracking. You may even decide to postpone retirement. So wait a minute, I, you know, I've got a nice chunk of money in my 401k, but what if, what if we go back to a 2008 kind of environment and I lose nearly half of my money Gosh, I'm going to be working at the proverbial Home Depot job and nothing against Home Depot. But if that's not my vision of of retirement, that's a rude awakening. So there are some tools and some investment products that can preserve that capital and still create an income stream. Look, if you're 20 years away from retirement and the market goes down, in most cases, that's a buying opportunity, right? There's a Macy's White Flower Day sale. 
But if you are retired and you're going through these ups and downs, it can be pretty stressful. And so it's time to perhaps safeguard some of that principle into some some investment choices that are designed around preservation of capital and guaranteeing of income, or else you're out there naked. And if we do have some geopolitical event or some meltdown on the economy and the market drops 20% or whatever, it's um, not a fun day. And now you've got a much smaller chunk of money to make that monthly check look attractive enough. Well, Pat, on this Friday, we certainly appreciate you taking some time out of your schedule to join us here in studio, talk a bit about the markets, what you're anticipating happening as we move in here to the second quarter, and as well, some analysis in terms of what folks need to be thinking about as they plan for their financial life. Pat Fatucci, our guest, and more information available, by the way, on the web at don'tinvestandforget.com. That's don'tinvestandforget.com. Be sure to catch Pat's program, which is heard on our sister station, Business Radio 1220, KDOW, Saturday mornings at 8 a.m., and a reprise broadcast Monday evenings at 6 p.m. on AM 1220, KDOW. Thanks again, Pat Fatucci. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Well, if you thought the madness in California over gender identity, bathroom regulations, things of this sort was over with, (laughs) does the California state legislature have another surprise for you? This time in the form of Assembly Bill 2943 that essentially says churches, pastors, ministers, counselors could be in violation of California's consumer fraud statutes and be punished for exercising not only religious liberty, but free speech, simply because somebody might suggest that there's help for an individual, for example, struggling with gender dysphoria. To give us more insights as to the dangers of this bill, we're joined by the president of Focus on the Family. You hear him, of course, every weekday morning at 9 a.m. in a reprise broadcast in the evenings at 9 p.m. right here on KFAX. Jim Daly. Jim, great to have you on the program. That's good to be with you. Thanks so much. And uh, this is really important. Boy, and it is a shocker because one would think at face value somewhere along the way, somebody in a legislator's office, somebody in the attorney general's office would say, wait a minute, wait a minute, you can't pass a bill like this because it is such a clear, outright violation of constitutional rights. And yet, I'm sure that if they get their way, they're going to push this thing right through and to the governor's desk for a signature. Break it down for us, Jim. Tell us exactly what is inside of Assembly Bill 2943, and why, in your opinion, is it so potentially dangerous? Well, again, you know, we've gotten to the point, especially with the California legislature, that there's no overreach possible. (laughs) I mean, they just continue to uh, go after religious freedom, religious expression. I think, obviously, because for them it offends them. And uh, But my goodness, this is America. And uh, when you look at AB 2943, it's a bill that threatens free speech and religious freedom, um, and it's moving through the California State Assembly rather quickly. It's kind of on a fast track, if you can believe that. But it's a wide-ranging piece of legislation that would open the door for counselors and churches, as you said, to be sued for communicating the message that change, healing from gender confusion is possible. 
And so, you know, one of the things, I have a friend that's on the uh, the panel with the American Psychological Association, uh, Dr. Mark Yarhouse, and he pointed me to some research, which is really amazing, where about 70%, listen to this, 70% of gender-confused teenagers will self-correct by 18. Now think of that and how these people are wanting to lock these teenagers in, make it illegal for them to sort out unwanted sexual gender dysphoria, as you've said, to make it illegal to talk to somebody about wanting help to what traditionally has been to normalize your sexuality. I mean, to me, it's immoral for people, particularly politicians, to trap people in a place they don't want to be trapped in. Since when should government decide therapeutic approaches in a clinic's office? This is breathtaking further, it opens up two avenues for lawsuits. One is the state. So in a church, if a pastor says, and it has to be transactional, meaning money has to be under the consumer fraud section. So if a pastor says to a person who comes to them at the front of the church at the end of a service and asks for prayer, pastor says to that person, as they're praying for them or just after, why don't you go to our bookstore? There's a great book in there by so-and-so who can help you with thoughts and ideas on how to begin that process, that right there would be enough. They can now sue the church, sue the pastor, as well as the state being able to sue that pastor for giving that advice under the Consumer Fraud Protection Act. Is that crazy? Talk about an overreach. And of course, as you point out, the language that's used in this bill would cast such a wide net, calculated essentially from what you're describing, Jim, to entangle pastors, churches, religious institutions, Christian counseling organizations, anybody that might be in a position to offer insight or advice to somebody that essentially would entrap them and entangle them in this net. And, you know, to think that somehow the consumer fraud statute, which has legitimate purposes for legitimate reasons of protecting consumers in California is now going to be manipulated in such a fashion to carry out essentially a a liberal agenda here, which flies in the face of every aspect of First Amendment rights that I can think of, from freedom of speech to freedom of religion. And, you know, while even in California, yeah, we're a state that's got a lot of extremes, we've kind of agreed to disagree on the gay marriage issue, for example, to say, okay, if your church doesn't believe in it, you're not going to be compelled to marry same-sex couples. Okay, nothing in the decision by the Supreme Court precludes a church from preaching what their beliefs are on the topic, no matter what side of the issue you come down upon. This essentially is, is from the way I'm reading it, either forcing churches to go silent on the topic or to a, adopt a viewpoint that may not be in harmony with their religious beliefs. Exactly right. And this is the issue, I think, in the, in the United States, where we are a nation of law, the manipulation of law for an outcome that you desire at the expense of expression on another group's part is what what the tactic is. How do we silence them? These steps that are going on are alarming. This is an overreach that is so egregious, so bold-faced that we have got to, and being a native Californian myself, I hope that Californians step up and say, wait a minute, on both, both sides of the aisle, this is not healthy for for discourse in our country. We need to be able to talk through issues. People need to be able to take positions that are contrary to the culture. And uh, I think it should be chilling for all of us. People should call their state assemblymen and uh, state officials and complain and make sure that the brakes are put on. 
this bill. And this is yet another egregious example of some of the limits that are being pushed by the California state legislature. I mean, my goodness, there's a debate in the Supreme Court or about to be heard right now over the very issue of compelling pro-life counseling centers to essentially advertise abortion services. And if you look at that at face value and say, well, we want to make sure that women are aware of the totality of options that are open to them. And so we're also going to insist that abortion clinics make women aware of options such as keeping the child a term, putting the child up for adoption. The bill is entirely one-sided, and right now it's going to be debated all the way to the highest court in the land. No doubt if something like this were to pass, it would head to the same direction. But we'd like to cut this thing off at the pass, send a message to Sacramento that Californians, and let me be clear about this, this is something that you want to consider to be egregious, no matter where your opinion comes down on the topic, because at the end of the day, it is manipulation of California consumer protection statutes in order to extract a specific opinion and silence people and essentially take away their First Amendment rights. As Jim Daly points out, We need you to respond to your member of the California State Assembly. You can go to the website, do a search, put your zip code in for California State Assembly, find out who your representative is, and then write he or she and let them know that you are urging a no vote on Assembly Bill 2943. That's AB 2943. Jim, certainly the chilling effect that this would have, you know, the old adage, as California goes, so goes the nation. Something like this were to pass in California, I would imagine it would, and and it could survive a constitutional challenge, which is doubtful. But that said, this could potentially embolden other states to follow suit. This could really have a significant chilling effect on First Amendment rights. Absolutely, and that's the big concern. You know, when you you think about what they're really going after here, it's expression, it's speech. It's not a tobacco product we're talking about, but if you simply say, as a person in authority, a pastor, as you said, or a church official, says something about traditional human sexuality, this would be somebody who steps up and says, what can I do as a believer in Christ and someone who's trying to get closer to God? They're coming to you asking that question. If you say anything to give them advice on how to go about doing that, a book, even reading the Scripture. Our friends at Alliance Defending Freedom have said the very Bible could be a weapon used against these people in their eyes, and therefore the selling of a Bible could violate this consumer fraud initiative. And, I mean, and don't that. think for a moment that somebody out there would not be willing to, to test the lengths to which this measure could potentially go. And, you know, it's, it's not only compelling people to truncate their religious beliefs, but it's also compelling language. It is essentially saying to the individual, look, we are insisting that you deny science, deny biology, deny your religious faith, and adopt an opinion that runs contrary to everything that you know and everything that you believe as the official opinion on, for example, the issue of gender dysphoria. And it is remarkable that it's gotten this far, but if you've lived in California for more than five minutes, you you get the agenda. Again, we urge you to get information. You can do a Google search for your state assembly member, put your zip code in, get their contact information, call them, email them, and do so in urging them to vote against Assembly Bill 2943. That's AB 2943. Well, Jim Daly, I want to thank you so much for taking some time to be with us and to alert our listeners about this very critical issue. 
do I appreciate it. Thanks for taking the time and informing people about what's happening. Jim Daly, president of Focus on the Family. You can catch the broadcast, of course, weekday mornings at 9 a.m. and a reprise broadcast 9 p.m. right here on AM 1100 KFAX. Jim, thanks again for the time. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. On today's edition of the program, we've got a very special guest in studio. He's kind of a boomerang, a boomerang in the sense that he began life in the San Francisco Bay Area, wound up in the center of the country, eventually ministered for quite a number of years on the East Coast, and has now bounced all the way back to the San Francisco Bay Area. He is Pastor Herman Hamilton, founder and senior pastor at New Beginnings Community Church of Mountain View. And Pastor Hamilton, welcome to the program. Thank you. It's a real honor to be here. Thank you for the privilege of being here with you. Now, you've got to tell us a bit of the story that you're sort of the boomerang kid. <laughs> yeah, I, we'll I've never you. thought about it that way, but that's a, that's a wonderful way of describing you, it. <laughs> uh, you were born here in the San Francisco Bay Area. Yes, I was. I was. I was, I was born. Uh, I was the fourth of four kids uh, born um, uh, early 60s. Uh, kind of shocking to say that, but that's actually when I came around. And um, when I uh, was about six months of age, I broke out with infotagal rash in my uh, head, and uh, so did my sister uh, next to me. And the doctor gave us the right medicine, uh, diagnosed it correctly, and uh, she got better, I got worse, and uh, went back. He figured just doubled the dosage. And my uh, mom, uh, all she knew was that her six-month-old baby boy was just gouging his scalp. So she covered my head with bandages one day. She unwrapped it to discover that I had been allergic to the medicine that had actually mm-hmm. helped to heal my sister. And so it literally cooked my scalp, um, and she just unwrapped layers of skin. And they rushed me to San Francisco General. Uh, while they were frantically working on my head, uh, they spilled stuff in both eyes, damaging both of my eyes. And my heart stopped beating, so I'm told, because of the trauma. But, uh, you know, I had a praying grandmother in the hall. And um, long before I knew who Jesus was and is, he knew what he wanted to do with me. And so he spoke, and the doctors did what they do, and I'm here to talk about it all these many years later. So not only the boomerang kid, but a miracle baby at absolutely, that. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. And I stayed in the hospital for a year, literally, in that day and time, uh, because they had to perform skin grafts to kind of reconstruct my scap. And, um, and I was growing, so I had to do it in stages. So I literally stayed in the hospital for one year. When I got out, my parents had divorced, my dad had disowned me and my mom had taken deathly ill uh no one wanted to keep me because i was still pretty sickly and my grand aunt who lived in louisiana because louisiana a little small town north louisiana said if you can get him to me i'll keep him wow and uh my grand aunt this is a fascinating story she had uh, been praying to have children for years and ultimately told she couldn't and she'd helped to raise my mother through some very traumatic teenage years. And so my grandma was just being generous. And uh, so they got me to Cashel, Louisiana, and I stayed there a few years till my mom could get back on her feet when she came back. Uh, she made the courageous decision to leave me with my grandaunt and let her. And my grandaunt was married to a Baptist minister and to let the two of them raise me as their own child. You spent your formative years growing up in a part of the country that was still feeling a lot of the strife 
not only at the height of the civil rights movement, mm-hmm. but to a degree, there, there's kind of a, a bad reputation, so to speak, in that part of Louisiana. Sure. You're about an hour outside of Shreveport. Absolutely. That particular town that you grew up in um, had a reputation. Absolutely. Uh, particularly in relationship to some uh, violence and unrest that was post Civil War that mm-hmm. continued in. What was it like growing up in that kind of an environment, contrasting that to the difference that we see in the San Francisco Bay Area? Absolutely. Well, you know, my class, my uh, first grade class, which was 1970, we were the first integrated class in the history of Cushata and River River Paris. Huge amount of drama uh, around that. And uh, the great success story is that when I graduated in 1982, that class made it all the way through. Uh, Needless to say, everything was looked at through the lens of race. Uh, Early on in my first, I don't know, until maybe the sixth, seventh grade, we used to have to do everything. Uh, We had a black homecoming queen. We had a white homecoming queen. We had It was a black and white version of everything uh, as people were trying to make the transition. So it had its challenges, its complexities, but... What I really like to always share is that I started off in special education, partly because um, I was, uh, had some learning deficiencies in math, uh, although I started first grade reading on a fifth grade level, uh, but mainly because as a scarred kid, I was acting out horrendously. And one of the ways that they dealt with you back then was you'd more likely end up in special education if you were a kid of color who was acting out tremendously in class. And I had an African-American teacher for two years who recognized that I was uh, gifted uh, and um, let me help her teach the class and mm. reading and stuff. Third grade, I had a white teacher, Ms. Gahagan, who recognized that I was gifted, that I was in the wrong place. She went to bat for me and fought for me and got me out of into a mainstreaming process. And uh, that has always helped to kind of define my understanding of race. started really early uh, of uh, just understanding that you just can't label people because of uh, the color of their skin or the history that you're familiar with. And uh, that set me on an amazing course all the way through eighth grade. I was in some form or another of mainstreaming. Uh, and then I met the Lord personally in the eighth grade and really changed my life. Looking back, does it surprise you that the kid from Cushetta, Louisiana, that was not of your own will, attending special ed classes later on in adult life, becomes an adjunct professor at, at, at um, uh, Harvard University and Gordon Cromwell. I mean, Amen. Amen. <laughs> talk about God's grace. It shows that God can do anything with anybody. <laughs> but it is, it is surprising, and it is awesome, and it is all the glory goes to God. And an enormous amount of credit goes to my grand-aunt and grand-uncle who poured the best years of the second half of their lives into trying to raise me. And they had a really tough time. I mean, all the way up through the eighth grade, I always said that um, uh, I got into as much trouble as I could find. And when I ran out of trouble, I created trouble. <laughs> and, uh, and so they, they struggled through those tough years with me, praying and and uh, feeding me God's word and challenging me and loving me and disciplining me. And uh, God used all of that to uh, really turn my life into a miracle. Does it also give you perspective in terms of ministry? And and I ask that question, I I think of the story of Franklin Graham, for example, son of Billy Graham. Here's this 
internationally known evangelist, Bible teacher, well-respected on every continent, and yet Franklin Graham was nothing but a leather-wearing, motorcycle-riding, cigarette-smoking, booze-drinking troublemaker. Yeah. For so many of his early formative years, no doubt a sense of rebellion against dad. And then you fast forward 40-something years, and now he's running the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Absolutely. Well, it is a reminder that, you know, that's why I just believe so much in Jesus. At the end of the day, uh, the heart of the gospel is that because of what Jesus has done on Calvary's cross, shedding and pouring out of his life, uh, to give us a reprieve, to pay the price for all the things that fill our lives with shame and guilt. Uh, he pays the price of that. And then he says to you, says to me, uh, if you will trust me and give me what's left of your life, I'll take your misery and turn it into a miracle. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's my story. That's my story. And uh, that's really at the heart of my passion, heart of what we do at the church. We are trying to reach people who feel far from God with that extraordinary message that Jesus literally can change. I mean, Jesus changed. When I say change my life, I'm not just talking about in an in a interior spiritual way, uh, which absolutely was the case. But uh, in every way that I can think of, uh, um, spiritually and uh, economically and academically and just socially, um, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Jesus. If you've just joined our conversation today in studio is the founding pastor of New Beginnings Community Church. Pastor Herman Hamilton is with us today. We'll take a brief time out, come back to more of the conversation right after this. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. 